beautiful people. Quick question. Have you ever thought to yourself, I've been passed up for a promotion, but I don't understand why? Or I want a change in my career, but where do I even begin? We know we're not the only ones that have had these questions. And that's why we started this podcast. It's called Gems for the Journey. And we hope that as you listen, you can discover some gems for your career journey. I'm Leah Murphy. And in my life, I wear many hats. I'll tell you about just three of them. I am an engineer by trade, a career coach and entrepreneur, all while working hard to stay happily married and raise three beautiful children. Ooh, that sounds like a lot of work, Leah. <laughs> my, name is, <laughs> my name is Alma Gordon. I'm a brand marketer, entrepreneur, and serial passion pursuer with a business approach to my endeavors, but always with a creative spin. And we're two really great friends that have supported one another throughout our entire professional careers. I mean, we've been through it all. And we're here to share some authentic stories that include key successes and setbacks. You're not going to want to miss this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Career Gems for the Journey. We're happy to have you today. Welcome, listeners. This is Ama. And this is Leah. We wanted to continue to use this platform to tell stories of Black men in America and the success that comes along with being a Black man in America, because we know that their stories are often disregarded or their stories just um, don't get the same amount of attention as others. So because we are Black women and we are connected and love so many talented and capable and strong Black men, we thought who better than the two of us to start introducing dialogue around really talented, powerful stories of Black men who have been successful inside corporate America, outside corporate America, as entrepreneurs, as leaders in the community, as leaders in faith. So uh, we're continuing that series today with someone who is very, very near and dear to my heart. I'll introduce him later, but um, how are you feeling? Black Lives Matter. <laughs> <laughs> that is how I'm feeling. Yeah. That is how I'm feeling today. I mean, even just as we kicked off this episode and there was a protest walking. I mean, everyone was walking by, chanting and marching by my doorstep right as we were starting this episode. And I loved it. And so this is just what we need to talk about right now. Let's lift Black men up and hopefully we can do that and continue to do that uh, in these, these yeah, super relevant. We're going to continue to keep it relevant, right? Like even, even if mainstream media decides they may want to face another direction because that's in their best interest, we want to continue to um, to weave this through because it's so important to us. It's such um, a subject that is near to my heart. As I've mentioned on up previous episodes, I am married to a very Black man, a very six foot three bearded Black man. And um, I'm raising two sons in America. My husband is a product of a long line of very honorable, very talented, very respected men. And one of those men, his father, um, is joining us today. His father is Sean Merck, and I lovingly call him Pop. So if I forget in the episode and I call him Pop instead of Sean, charge it to my head and not to my heart. But <laughs> See, I almost did it just now. I almost said pop. Okay. 
And it that's is, okay. It is. That's okay. Sincerely, you know? because it, the, <laughs> this, the true, true essence of our relationship is like, he is a, you know, he is another father. Like I have my father in my life and my father is awesome. And I'm sure he'll end up on one of these episodes in some way, shape or form. But Pop has been an extension of that um, father relationship. And I absolutely appreciate all that he's done to to be a part of my life. And he is inspiring because he has had such an accomplished career. And I'll get into his bio after we let him say, you know, say hello. But um, yeah, if I call him pop, it's out of a sincere, you know, love and adoration. So. And you know what that says though, Leah, right? It just says that these skilled, these talented, these very special and successful black men are not hard to find. There are fathers, there are father-in-laws, there are brothers, there are cousins, there are neighbors. So this misnomer that it is hard to find a good Black man, an honest Black man, a Black man that is rooted in, 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 in bringing greatness to their community and to others, uh, which also permeates from their personal lives to their professional lives. That's Fake news. Because we found him, and his name, and his name is Pop. <laughs> Fake news, and his name is Pop. Pop, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate the uh, opportunity. I'm humbled and honored to have been selected to participate in this outstanding forum. It does not surprise me that Leah would be involved in such an endeavor and I did do a little research. Alma, you apparently were her college colleague, <laughs> and y'all have That's a right. friendship. Listen, I just appreciate that you did some research on. Usually, it's us. Usually, right. it's us doing the research on the guests. So thank you. This is for, such a pop I mean, thing we, to do. You're, 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 we, we are moving you're, up in you're the welcome. world to be there. You go. Goals, right. This podcast being there. Here. You go. Well. We're, we're all researchable. It just depends <laughs> what is the impetus of the research. That's right. So this was a very positive um, and enlightening, fully on the tiptoes of expectancy kind of situation for me. Um, one, because of my daughter, Leah, that I, I love. I, I take nothing from people who refer to in-laws. However, uh, somehow that puts a connotation or a box around a personal relationship. This young lady has been outstanding to me and I appreciate that. She loves me and she appreciates me and she allows me access into her life, my son and my grandchildren and you couldn't ask for more than that. So I'm forever grateful for that. But to the rest of the world, listen, uh, we about to get into some serious dialogue because we're talking about black men and success. And therein, those two are a dichotomy to most of the world who may be a lot ignorant, ignorant pop. Yeah, we're, we're gonna uh, <laughs> we're gonna go with a lot I'm, ignorant. Yeah. I will I will absolutely stand in my truth and do these ladies just to give my story, my perspective, but know that it comes from a spirit within that says, I am greatly appreciative to God for keeping me these 60 years on this earth despite the enemies. The Bible says that you are 
promised problems. You will have them. However, they won't overtake you. With that, Amen. I go back to All right. ladies. Amen. That's right. Did you hear that introduction? <laughs> oh, man. Y'all are in for a treat today. We about yeah. to learn from today. We are about to learn. For sure. Today. For sure. 60 years young. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. So but much wisdom. So um, I'm going to brag on you for a little bit, Pop. And I don't have to really read a bio for you because I've you know, gotten to spend the last 15 years observing your life. So Sean Merck is the eldest of eight children and a very, very, very um, heartfelt family man. Um, but outside of his family, he's also a very accomplished individual. He has two master's degrees, uh, one MBA, one master's in engineering. Yep. Shout out to the engineers. I know. I know at some point. I know at some I point. I know. Leah, this is the second episode <laughs> where you had more. These engineers, we you know, that's they're fire so though. Look at you know, what I mean? they're fire, and these are these are you know people who have inspired me. So, um, Pop is an engineer by trade, yeah. electrical engineer by trade. Um, he spent most of his career working in the aerospace and defense industry, and has had tremendous um, success in government contracts and um, and pursued security clearances and was awarded security clearances like he is the real deal like he's the guy that if you need to phone a friend he's the one that you need to call when the intel needs to get deep so um pop had an uh, has retired now but had an illustrious career um that was very well decorated and continues to serve um in a really principal critical role in ministry in um, our local church. So um, though he is retired from corporate America, he continues to use his skills and his gifts to um, to be a blessing to the church and um, support them in a leadership capacity. So he is all the things, right? He has all the receipts, all the degrees, you name it. Um, and I should mention because um, <laughs> I would be in trouble if I didn't, he has been married to his beautiful wife for 30 one year, Pop? Ooh. Ooh. I feel good about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Thanksgiving will right. not be awkward. Nice. <laughs> let's snap, Sunday let's dinner snap will not up. be awkward. Right, let's snap that up. 30, <laughs> no, it won't. 34 years, 34 years from wow. today, I met my wife. Yeah, 34 Aww. years. And, uh, I, I celebrate all of them. There you we go. have to celebrate success. So we're going to get right into some of our questions because you gave us such a good opening that we don't even need to go deep there anymore. Um, so just starting with the basics. So where are you from? Where did you grow up? And how do you think where you were raised influenced your life experiences? Okay, I, um, I'm an indigenous Philadelphian by way of North Philadelphia. To be specific, Broad and Allegheny in vicinity. Shout out to North Philly. Uh, Shout out. Or, or, <laughs> right. or, or as the black clergy would say, vicinity. <laughs> but uh, I, am, I am deeply uh, committed to my roots, uh, for they are who I am. And I will never, ever forget where I came from. It is a lifelong mission to, as long as I breathe, give back to that community in some form or fashion and to give to my people 
because that is part of who we are and why God created us, and it was our calling. Um, North Philadelphia shaped my life in, in two ways, uh, personally and professionally. Personally, if you are a person of the Black experience, the downtrodden, the want-to-be-forgotten, the thought of that you can never get away from who you were born as or the environment you were born in. That's an experience that most people accept. However, as with most things, when you apply heat to them, they become perfected. You don't get gold without some heat. You don't get diamonds without heat. In life, you don't move up without a little heat to get you out of your comfort zone. The proverbial box cannot exist in a successful black man's life or a successful young black man's life. Adversity every day will be presented to them with challenges and I was no different. I grew up in the Frank Rizzo era. This man was diabolical. Um, I also grew up during a time when people knew the true meaning of each one, reach one to teach one. Because I was going to ask about, you know, the era that you grew up in North Philly, there were um, clear boundaries, neighborhood boundaries for where you could travel safely um, from, from a gang perspective, as well as Frank Rizzo was, you know, diabolical is the right word as a police commissioner. But can you just talk a little bit more about that time and like what the city was like? Yeah, I was just thinking that, Leah, because I don't, I don't yeah, know about it. No, Fr- Rizzo has a, has a, <laughs> a, a, a tremendous, yeah. had a really, really significant effect on um, just race and equity in the city of Philadelphia. Frank Rizzo, unfortunately, when it comes to Blacks, wasn't a friend of the Black man he intentionally created barriers and divisive behaviors in the communities and that he can never be forgiven for. As a young boy, I was put in the back of a paddy wagon or a, um, the van. I don't know what young people refer to. It's still paddy wagon. They still call it paddy wagon. Because I wasn't really allowed to go anywhere. Yeah, I rode in the back of a paddy wagon, but by the grace of God, I'm here to talk to you. Um, I've been told, boy, go in the house because my mother was um, so protective. Uh, Today, if I could talk to her or if she was still here, uh, I would let her know again how much I really loved her and appreciated what she did in terms of behavior. But to Rizzo, back to Philadelphia, it was quite unnecessary to be as aggressive and to be as demanding and forceful in terms of trying to enforce a uh, law because Sean, our Sean, community I just want to stop you for a second because uh, you might be able to hear, I'm not sure, the listeners might be able to hear some honking, some chanting yeah. in my background. And Let them protest. And, you know, and I just want to bring like to, I mean, this, this is, I mean, this is a testament to exactly what you are starting to describe, right? Uh, you know what people are against. So we're gonna we're gonna let you continue sharing your story. But I just wanted to acknowledge that this is not just noise. If you can hear it in my background, but this is people protesting even today, 
to what Sean is about to go into in terms of what his experience was like. And that was the late 60s. Absolutely. And it, uh, it made me stronger. It helped me to understand that racism was alive and well, that it had nothing to do with me going out doing something I had no business doing as I was a, a, a boy of intellect and my parents wanted me to be, quote unquote, smart, educated, well-balanced, and I would read the newspapers. And sometimes what I read didn't reflect my reality, nor was it the truth. And there was no one to really stand tall and tell the truth. So whenever the police arrived, generally it was because they could. And frankly, I found that appalling. There were times when I know as a child, I wasn't speaking as a child. I was trying to be a young, strong man and I was checked. I was put in my place and uh, I, I didn't really have fear, but there was a lot of trepidation because I knew I was treading in places I really shouldn't be. I was born and raised in the church. I prayed. I wanted God to protect me and keep me, but I also wanted to be able to speak my truth. And I just could not accept that because of the color of my skin, I was going to be treated the way I was. So that what became a part of my personality. Leah's already alluded to it. I am vocal. I will speak my truth. I will stand in my truth. I will die in my truth. As a result of having those kind of attitudes, knowing that I could do better, knowing that life had a lot to offer me, that parlayed into... I'll call a fairly successful professional career. And I took a lot of those lessons learned with me. A fairly successful job? Is that, is that what and you're doing? Surprising. Really in your formidable years, Bob. But you can talk about, you, know, you talk don't have to talk about, about the patent and what it is. How many are you associated <laughs> with? I was, I was is just that about what we're that, doing? Right? <laughs> so yeah. Now it's not so, that right. Yeah, we're not, not going to be modest. Uh, we're not going to. Okay, <laughs> let's, okay let's, let's set the tone. How many, how many patents are you associated for, with, Bob? How many patents has your work contributed to? Oh, okay. Lord. All right. Let's, we're going to leave that right 100. there. We're going to leave easily. that right there, that there's easily over 100 patents. Okay. Yeah. So then we're going to take it to the next easily. level. How many people had security clearances at the level that you did at the time when you had the top secret security clearance? I'm sure that's like not even a data point, but if you were to guess. It's, um, I would say about 10% of the work population because uh, security is a funny animal. You, you, you have a need to know something. And the more you're involved, the higher the level secrecy, than the need for you to know certain things for you to be a participant. There's times in my career I was participating in stuff and didn't even know I was participating. Exactly. So like 10% of that work population so, is probably like one what, tenth of 1% of the actual like United States of America population. So it's a really small class of people who had that level of clearance. Oh yeah. Very, very. Th those clearances yeah. are, are like gold. They really are. Uh, it takes a lot to get them and it takes even more to keep them. And uh, rightfully so. Uh, I still love America, despite its flaws and everything else. This is a relationship we're in, ladies and gentlemen. And in relationships, you accept the whole person. You don't get to pick the good and the bad. You accept 
the whole person. And until that person can come to themselves and fix themselves, then you must that was deep, Bob. still love them. That was and a gem right there. Yeah, right that now. was a gem right there. <laughs> that sure was. We're- that that was a gem that, that I had a question that I wanted to ask. And I think it ask away. Yeah, I think it ties into that, right? So when you think about uh, you know, America uh and you know, just as a whole person, it has its flaws, right? So you talked about some of your personal experience growing up in uh in Philadelphia, right? And some of the challenges that you had and being approached and maybe spoken to in a way that was un, you know, undeserving. Now, can you tell us a little bit about a time where you might have had to stand up in your truth, as you described it, in the workplace? Are there any experiences that sort of bled from the streets of Philly, right, into the boardrooms? Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you may have navigated through that? When you get up every day in this great country and you realize you're still a black man that's alive. You thank God, as can be seen and evidenced by the brutality and injustices that are going on right now in June of 2020. Uh, tomorrow's not promised for anybody, but when it comes to being black and male and strong, independent, capable of great potential, your odds, you know, I I hate to even try to describe it that way, but it is what it is. You know, the enemy comes at you all the time. Challenges are always in your face. And one of the things you have to do is believe that those enemies are real. They have bad intentions. Too often our young black men are duped, fooled, misled, and we want to use that as our excuse when all you have to do is wind the tape back 400 plus years, there's evidence of being challenged. It's irrefutable that they do not mean you well. Now, the they, the evil they, I call it, those could be anybody that does not understand being black the black experience and being black in America. If you're not for me, you are against me. Bottom line. So when you are in the corporate workplace, you're always questioned about everything. Everything. You never can be accepted at face value. The only truth that these folks know about you when they look at you is they see you are black. And then that conjures up all of the years of their experiences and what they've learned about blacks and black men. Regardless to what they know about you, there's always going to be a shadow of doubt. I can get on the elevator with a woman that I've worked with and given promotions, pay raises, and anything else, and she happens to be white. And when we get on that elevator, she still can't help herself but to clutch her handbag. That's sad. The same man who's feeding her, who's helping her, who's nurturing her, who's loving her, who's appreciating her, she feels threatened? Really? Also, when you are 
in the midst, you're supposed to succumb. I'm a free, independent man, last I checked. And if I have done something that deserves to be challenged, please treat me as you would your white colleagues and inquire about it without any prejudgment, without any forethought or malice. Just ask me simple questions. What we as black men have to do is learn to be prepared for the unexpected to what is deemed to be the authority figure. Says who? For the people who say they love us are simply saying that. But love is an action word. Supporting me is an action word. You can't tell me that you're in my corner when I can never hear your voice when others are oppositional to me. You don't speak up in the meeting when you know someone is openly mistreating me for no reason. Just, if, if you don't do anything but ask the question, why are you doing this? Perhaps they would stop, pause, and realize what they're doing. But hatred is hatred and is real. And black men have to learn how to sift through that. You have to know when someone means ill to you. And sometimes it can't be explained. You can't understand it. You definitely don't appreciate it. But what you have to do is stand in your truth. Speak the truth. You tell the truth. You don't have to remember what you said because it's one story and that's it. That goes to your credibility. I have cried foul on myself many times in corporate America. I may have made mistakes. I've done things. I'm human. That's going to happen. But what I had to do was stand tall and say I made a mistake. And here's the consequences of what I did. Let the others do the judging. What you can't do is try to be accommodating. You can't satisfy. Everything. It ain't even worth trying. Was there one sort of pivotal moment? You know, Sean is getting real deep. And he mentioned a time, you know, when you can, about how do you communicate with some of the white counterparts, whether it's someone who reports to you, maybe someone who uh, maybe is on the same level or even a superior. Has there ever been, you know, a pivotal moment where someone has, you know, communicated to you in a way, you know, seeking more information about uh, any discrimination in the office, uh, in the environment, and just seeking information from you to be educated? That's a huge topic nowadays, right? And, you know, it's, a, it's the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, it's, you know, you have signs that say, you know, silence is violence. Also, you know, I'll apologize. I apologize in advance for the protesting that's literally still going on outside my door. So that's the noise that you guys might be hearing. But, you know, it's a very diverse crowd. So, you know, that are more interested in learning and understanding uh, and maybe standing by us. Have you ever had an experience where a colleague was interested in learning more, wanting to understand your Black experience so that they could be a better teammate? The question was, relevant to have I had any experiences with white colleagues or I'll say non-black colleagues inquiring about diversity and, and how do we deal with it in the workplace. Um, as a leader, as a manager, 
my organization was 20% to 30% black, 20 to 30% um Did you adopt that? Did you inherit that 20 and to 30% black or was that during your time in leadership you hired enough people to have a 30% um, I, team be black? I do. I, I recruited people and brought in the best talent that I could find. And because both uh, resource pools, meaning women and, and African-Americans, they were uh, scarce resources. But one thing you know as a leader, that if a woman or a Black is in your workplace, they have endured travails like none other. They have a indomitable spirit to succeed, to contribute. They're team players. They're definitely a great deal of perseverance and willingness to adapt to the environment such that they can be contributors to a mission greater than their own cause. And when you find those kind of people, as you guys are talking about gems, they are gems. And I watched corporate America literally try to get rid of some of these people. And I said, they're making this easy. I can shop from the trash pile, so to speak. And it made it very easy. I ended up getting a reputation where people would contact me and say, I understand you're a fair man and that I might be able to find an opportunity. I'm about to be laid off. I need some help. The only thing I really wanted to know from that person was, what are your skills? What's your passion and talent? How can you help make our organization a better organization with regard to the mission and the health and happiness of the people you work with? These things are imperative in our lives. They are essential. You spend more time at work with people so, than Bob, your wait own wait a minute. Family. Stay there. I'm sorry. You just dropped so the gym, this effect, right? So, so many... He's just so he, eloquent, he just right? And the words are just flowing. So I'm like, oh, do I interrupt? <laughs> yes, I had to interrupt. <laughs> I had to interrupt. So, I mean, first, right. the fact that do you <laughs> are spending the time and energy to be a formidable leader and a leader who is with his own conviction is basically saying, I can build great teams. Like, you can give me whatever you give me and I can build great teams. But the thing that you said that really was a gem for me was this idea that other people would expel talent and you would be able to bring them on and create a team that was high performing and highly functioning because you spent the time to understand their talents and their gifts and their passions. Like that's a real gem. If you're leading teams, if you're a manager of people, if you aspire to be a manager of people, thinking about humans in that way, thinking about capabilities and potential and what you could do with them under your guidance, under your leadership, if you give them support, it's like crazy. And the fact that you became a destination in the organization, right? Like, man, if you want somebody solid, you want somebody you can learn from, you want somebody who's going to treat you well, you know, go and work for Sean. Like that's a, that's an amazing reputation that allows you to put your head on the pillow every night and sleep peacefully because you know you're doing right by people. So I just wanted to put a, you know, acknowledge you for that. I wanted to wow. give you your flowers while you are here to be able to be acknowledged. I'm sure you've changed and molded hundreds of careers just with that mindset and that approach. 
And, you know, you've influenced people without even knowing because you've become that kind of a leader to them and they have that example. So like that was that was epic. So just take a minute and enjoy being acknowledged, being lauded, being put on a pedestal because there's so many people who aspire to be good managers, but, you know, aren't willing to put in that kind of work or aren't willing to to take a chance on people. And that's a real significant um, superpower for you. You dropped a few, right? But so that stood out to me. But before he even went into that, he said something that I have been thinking and been afraid to share in any corporate environment. That when you see a person of color, right? Whether they're someone who is interviewing for a role or who is already on the team, there is something about people of color that because of their experience, right? Especially the black experience, there are some things that come along with being black, right? That not only you had to live through personally, but that comes naturally to you in the workplace to be able to endure, right? To be able to push through adversity, to be able to tackle a challenge and say- To not leverage that kind of talent and skill because you have blinders on. And I used to sit back and watch. I would just wait and watch, patience. And I'd say, yep, okay. I, I know who I want to talk to. And um, I want to get back to uh, finishing this one thing about leaders. Leaders are people who do the right things. Managers, frankly, can be anybody that are just doing things right. I was like, what? Um, I had to process. Like, I had to really put it together. Say say more, probably. (laughs) Yeah, anybody anybody can be managers, but it takes something special. Absolutely. Tell us us more. As a leader, you got to put some skin in the game. Uh, You show yourself to be whom you are. Deep inside, all of us are vulnerable to a point. And we must protect ourselves from being too vulnerable or else we'll be taken advantage of. Even in the face of being taken advantage, you can find kindness and love because you are trying to understand the other person's perspective. Why would a person do what they're doing or not do what needs to be done? You have the ability, well, if, you, if you've if been through it, you can be empathetic. If not, you can only be sympathetic. Great. So what happens is many people have very limited adverse experiences. They've been living the life of Riley, as some people say, the silver spoon in their mouth. You had a president who's like that. This guy doesn't know nothing about real adversity other than financial failure. Uh, we fail probably most of our life financially, if you really think about it, but we find a way to take whatever we have, however small it is, and leverage it and use it by any means let our life be a little Jesus, because some of us may be the only Jesus any other people will see. And if you take that perspective, then you start to understand that your life has a greater purpose 
than what you thought your purpose was. It's, it's the people who we influence and drive to do more than they ever thought they could do that makes you happy. Like you said, Leah, you go to bed at night with sleep. You can sleep well. I've had people who said, there's no way I can take this project and manage it and get it done. I'm not you. Of course you're not me, but I believe in you. I have faith in you. I will give you every tool that is available for you to succeed. The only way that you won't make it is because you don't want to put in the time, the hard work, the perseverance, the drive. You got to have those things. Those are innate and those come from experiences. If you never dealt with adversity, when it hits you, baby, you got a problem on your hand because black folks, we deal with it so regularly that it is a part of our lives. It is a part of our lives. You can watch a black woman do six things in her home all well at one time because she has to. She has Look to. at you giving love to black women. Pop. That's what I'm that, talking about. That's what I'm talking about. But that's what they, that's what they, <laughs> listen, they built America. I, I mean, I don't want to get too deep, but most whites that were born in America Let's just say in the early centuries, a white man took that white child from a white woman and handed it to a black woman and said, raise my child. State facts. State facts for the record. State facts for the record. The reality is whenever you do get back to dealing with adversity in the workplace and having to stand in your truth, one of the things I just really want to make sure our listeners understand is that you can succeed in corporate America if you will be willing to have honest conversation with other individuals, not in a room setting, not, you know, like you're broadcasting, not bragging, but let them see that you have experience and you are speaking from your heart and that you have genuine concern and care about their success. Because as they succeed, you will succeed. Nobody can take that from you. Nobody. And once we are capable of having the ability to talk to one another, whether it be another Black person or another white person, they will go to bat for you because they know who you are. They know what you stand for. They know that you will not settle for anything less than perfection. They know that you demand that they put their all in all in it. And it has nothing to do with skin color. It has everything to do with their quality, how well they pursue, supposed to be pursuing. Pop, I mean, you dropped so many gems on these episodes, on this episode. We really appreciate you. This has been, I'm inspired. I don't know about you, but like, I feel like I got work to do. I'm just captivated. I mean, listen, let's just let's just be honest, right, with the audience. I'm not sure <laughs> that they have heard us speak this little in any episode ever. And, you know, usually, you know, we might have to jump in, we might have to navigate, we might have to facilitate. But not only did we not have to do that today, but everything that you were saying was something that not only our listeners can learn from, but both of us can learn from. It was captivating. It was motivating. It was inspiring. 
And I just thank you for dropping and sharing those gems. Definitely. Right? Definitely life Because gem. these weren't just career gems. These were life gems too. Right? <laughs> so I just want to thank you for for, for and Pop, I just, I mean, I just want to acknowledge for the today. listeners, Thank I feel so, so blessed and so fortunate that like these, these kind of conversations, you know, I take it for granted um, at times because you're a part of my everyday life, right? Like, it's like, you know, I, we, I, I was at your house two days ago. So I take it for granted that you are, you know, accessible and that you've accomplished so much, but your story is one that is so valuable and so relevant and so needed to be told in this time in this era where you know oftentimes we paint black men who look like you in a completely different light and if anyone took the time to engage and get to know you and to really experience what you have and the wisdom that you bring as a result of those experiences like no one i just i can't imagine any person who has any logic in their um, in their brain to be able to say, nah, he's not the guy. So, you know, telling your story and we appreciate it. We think of this episode as like a time capsule that we will use um, so future generations get to benefit from hearing stories like yours. So we just want to give you your flowers while you're living. I want to personally tell you thank you and that I love you and that I appreciate you. And I feel very fortunate to have you in my life and in the lives of my children. And um, we just really appreciate your time tonight. So any, any final thoughts that you have for our listeners? Thank you. Um, this, this has been a, a tremendous evening for me. Uh, just being able to share and um, make sure that this um, story, a life story, is shared in a positive way, that individuals can leverage whatever gems they wish out of it, but know that they have to stay in their truth. I close by saying that you earlier mentioned to me mentoring and mentoring is such a key component of success in life. But in corporate America, you need a sponsor and you need a mentor that you can trust and who understands you, who understands what motivates you, what drives you. And when you do get that person, you have to value them. You don't have to put them out and let everybody know that you have an executive vice president in your pocket. What you have to do is appreciate what they're doing. I've been mentoring for well over 35 years and I'm called Future Minds. I don't care if one child shows up or 30 children show up. I'm going to get up out of my bed on Saturday morning, 9 to 12, and I'm going there to help that young person because it is important. Somebody reached out to me when I was a young man and was introduced to engineering at uh, Temple University. Shout out That's to Temple. right, go they out. They had a program. They uh, canvassed the entire city, tested well over a thousand students in the ninth grade and they picked 15 and thank God I was one of the 15 to live in Go ahead and flex Peabody on them, Pop. Go ahead and, and flex. Spend time. Now, 15 out of the 1,000 who... I go spent... ahead and flex on them. Tell them you're great. <laughs> I've seen you been great since <laughs> I was a child. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I was blessed. I was in the right place at the right time and was able to seize that opportunity. And lastly, I want to encourage the listeners to always celebrate success to help you get there by myself. And I'm sure that my staff, 
pops that they knew I appreciated them. And when he <laughs> walks off stage, game over. Drops my. Thank you for listening. We hope this episode gave you some true gems that you can use on your own career journey. Come back for the next episode and be sure to follow us on social at Gems for the Journey on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can also email us at gemsforthejourney at gmail.com. That's G-E-M-S-F-O-R-T-H-E-J-O-U-R-N-E-Y at gmail.com with any questions or comments you might have.